0: Hello, and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history of how they came to be. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get things rolling. Now, not everyone loves public speaking. For some of us, this is absolutely our least favorite thing to do. But public speeches can hold a lot of power for good or ill (laughs) Growing up, there wasn't a lot of space to be afraid of public speaking. Well, I mean, I guess you could still be afraid, technically. But being part of the church congregation that I was in, even little kids, about eight years old, had the opportunity to speak to the entire congregation. Odds are, you'd have spoken to the congregation at least half a dozen times in your lifetime. So public speaking started young for me. And not just public speaking, but storytelling as well. I entered storytelling contests as a kid, the first book, quote-unquote, It's like six pages long. But the first book that I wrote was a short mystery about a case in a mansion and a mysterious invitation. I suppose it's somewhat obvious that I love words, exchanging ideas and learning from others from study, information, and conversation. Words can move hearts, shed light on new perspectives, and open eyes to new possibilities and even new ways of seeing the world. I loved words as a child as well, so much so that I would misuse them, saying such things as, I love horses, they're so expensive. Which, I mean, was accurate, technically, but not what I was trying to say, and not why I loved horses. But I liked the sound of the word. Today, we're going to talk about some of the most moving words in history. In fact, in the United States, this speech is considered the top speech of the 20th century, and some might argue that it is the greatest speech in the English language of all time. I am, of course, talking about Rev. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. The speech took place during the March on Washington on August 28, 1963. The march was a huge success as it attracted over 250,000 people and was conducted entirely peacefully without a single arrest. The success of the march, as well as the impact of the speech, were hugely important. Following Reverend Dr. King's speech, an FBI memo took note of Reverend Dr. King and called him the most dangerous person in the movement. The memo found him dangerous to the security of the nation. At the time, the memo cited concerns about national security, communism, and the black community. His speech came at a pivotal moment in the civil rights movement for the United States. The march on Washington, its peaceful protest and success were all critical in then-President Kennedy's eyes for pushing forward his civil rights bill. At the time, there were many different approaches to protesting racism, inequality, and injustice. Some means were violent, others fought via reasoned argument in a public arena, and others followed Rev. Dr. King's philosophy of nonviolence. While there was some criticism between the different approaches, who is to say what might have happened if all of these efforts had not been implemented? Reverend Dr. King's speech at the time was better covered by TV and news stations than President Kennedy's own inauguration. The speech caught the imagination of the press, who went on to praise it as going beyond normal oration and moving the crowd. Following this speech and the March on Washington, Time magazine named Dr. Reverend King Man of the Year in 1963. A year later, in 1964, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize and was the youngest man to ever receive it. In 2002, the Library of Congress added his speech to the National Recording Registry. And in 2003, the National Park Service dedicated a slab of marble with Reverend Dr. King's name on it, where he had stood that day giving his speech and igniting the imagination of the nation. Back in 2016, it was announced that before 2020, the U.S. $5 bill, which sports an image of the Lincoln Memorial on the back, would undergo some changes that would depict events that had happened at the memorial, including... Dr. King's speech. While the speech itself has been and continues to be influential, something I was not as familiar with, which I found particularly impressive as I was researching, were Dr. Reverend King's principles of nonviolence. He details them in his book, Stride Toward Freedom: The Montgomery Story. I'm going to quote from his book now. He said the following, "Quote. Number 1. Nonviolence is a way of life for courageous people. It is active nonviolent resistance to evil." Number two, nonviolence seeks to win friendship and understanding. The end result of nonviolence is redemption and reconciliation. Number three, nonviolence seeks to defeat injustice, not people. Nonviolence recognizes that evildoers are also victims. Number four, nonviolence holds that suffering can educate and transform. Nonviolence willingly accepts the consequences of its acts. Number five, nonviolence chooses love instead of hate. Nonviolence resists violence to the spirit as well as the body. Nonviolence love is active, not passive. Nonviolence love does not sink to the level of the hater. Love restores community and resists injustice. Nonviolence recognizes the fact that all life is interrelated. Number six, Nonviolence believes that the universe is on the side of justice. The nonviolent resistor has deep faith that justice will eventually win." Close quote. Let's just let that sink in for a minute. For me, I found all of these points particularly impressive, and number 3 stood out to me in particular. To consider and even recognize that nonviolence seeks to defeat injustice and not people, to recognize that evildoers are also victims, I think is incredibly important. In today's fast-paced world of the internet, trending hashtags, snap judgments, that can have lasting consequences, particularly when we don't have the full understanding of a person, these declarations, to me, read almost as radical kindness. It requires slowing down. It does not require letting injustice to continue, but at least to me, it reads that we fight against injustice, but we don't sum up people as their worst actions. And not only that, but there is the recognition that, quote, evildoers are also victims, meaning that they are just as human, just as injured and complex as I am with life experiences that inform their views of the world just like I do. I don't need to soapbox on it, but I find it an incredibly an importantly compassionate way to interact with difficult circumstances that is not easy and in today's society it almost feels like an unusual idea at times but i know that i appreciate compassion especially when i'm wrong and making decisions from a place of trauma triggers and fear compassion from others and learning compassion for myself helps me get to a place where i can feel understood like a human and it helps me improve my actions, take responsibility, apologize, and change. And maybe ultimately that's what we want and it's what we need. So I am grateful for Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His courage, his steadfastness, and his compassion are astonishing to me and inspiring. Maybe I can start practicing some of his nonviolent principles myself as I interact with my daily life and put compassion and that long view ahead of my short temper or maybe sometimes I'll just get mad. It'll be a journey, and it will take practice. We'll see how it goes, but one way or another, I'm going to keep trying, and one way or another, I am grateful for an incredible example and the incredible life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day and a great week.